Hey guys, welcome to Pillar Talk. Let's get into it. All right, today is a uh, super important, super exciting episode um, with somebody that, that is a great man of faith, uh, family, and somebody that I'm fortunate enough to call a friend. Uh, Mike Oxford, the COO of Sunmar Healthcare out of Brea, California, sitting here with Mike. And uh, I'm really excited to get into our journey together and just to pick Mike's brain about, you know, the future of the industry, the current state of things and uh, and just him as a person. So, Mike, thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Chris, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I've listened to a couple of the episodes already. I love what you're doing with the podcast. Obviously, what you're talking about on the podcast are things that we've talked about on phone calls, uh, drives together as we've as we work together in the post acute setting, and so this is a great platform uh, to to share um, with a broader audience. And I'm honored that I get to be one of your guests. Yeah, thank you. No, honored to have you for sure. And, and it's funny, I, you know, I describe you now as a, as a man of faith, a man of family, and a friend. And I just think it's a good place to start because I think uh, our old our old relationship we both had some adjectives that started with F that we would describe each other with, but probably weren't weren't those three. So um, you sent me a super powerful text message the other day. I was sitting on a plane. I was on my way out here to see you, um, and you sent me this message that really just just sat with me really well, and I, and I loved it. And you talked about kind of our the, re- the evolution of our relationship. You know, how, we've known each other for a long time. Um, we've worked either directly together or indirectly together for, you know, almost 15 years now. And, you know, there was a different relationship in our 20s, our early 30s, our late 30s. And, um, and we have a lot of excitement going into you, you just getting into your 40s and me getting ready to. So let's talk about that a little bit. Talk, like expand on what you sent me and, and let's talk about it because it, it, it stands out in my mind a ton. Yeah. First of all, thanks for telling everybody that I turned 40 before you. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think, you know, you get to a place in life, whether it's age or uh, a certain a certain place uh, in your mind, in your career where you do have the benefit to sort of take a look uh, in hindsight on, on different stages in your career. I've always felt like our lives are sort of these different, these different boxes. You know, you have your, your high school time. You think, man, like I'm going to stay friends with these people forever. And maybe you have one or two that you, that that you're still close to. Then you go to college and then, and then you start your career. And so, you know, over the course of time, um, you have kind of seasons, but there's certain people that you sort of meet that you don't realize are going to be a part of every season. And, and I would not have guessed that you would be that in my life. Um, you're right. We probably, if we really spend a lot of time, could, could spend probably 30 minutes asking for forgiveness for <laughs> things we said or thought about each other. But yeah, yeah. you know, I, I had this great, this great moment to reflect yesterday as you're coming in and getting to share um, your powerful message with some of our leaders on our team. And we're really honored that you were able to come and do that. And at the same time, I'm in a position now that I can invite you to do that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how our, our relationship started. You know, we, we both worked for a large organization. And one of the things that happens in those organizations is you start to to, to square everybody up um, based on their talents, even if they're in a completely different department, especially when you're young. You don't think about how can I collaborate with somebody? You think, does, you know, for a long time on the operations side in the in the, the region we were in, I was the young up and comer. And so for me, like everybody thought that I had this, or at least I thought everybody had this, this impression that, hey, I'm, I'm this young, like energetic guy and, and really no one can match that. I didn't know in Southern California, there's there's a, a guy in sales that has that same kind of energy. And so we meet each other and instead of thinking, man, this could be a relationship of power, you know, even if it was in my subconscious, I start squaring you up. I'm thinking, ah, oh, man, like I need to be the young one that everybody sees as talented. I need to be the one that everybody sees that is the, the, the one that can bring answers to an organization. And so instead of looking at you and thinking, man, this guy's got talent, I looked at you and thought, 
I started to try to pick apart what is, what is he doing that isn't right? How does he act? Yep. Um, and man, that can be really detrimental. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, the the, the only thing I'll correct real quick is that uh, Mike and I started working together in in Colorado, not California. Oh, did I say yeah, California? Yeah, you're in yeah. San Mar mode. Yeah, sorry. But no, we we you know Mike was in Northern Colorado, I was in Southern Colorado, and same thing, right? We were in our we were in our twenties. We both had you know the things that had brought us success up until that point was our our charisma, our energy. And, um, just kind of our, you know, a little bit of our ego. Right. And, and I thought the same thing. I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm one of these talented sales guys. And I was really looking out for me and how I can make a name for myself in this large national organization as a guy that was young and relatively inexperienced, uh, in my role. And instead of looking to you and others for, you know, ways to make myself better and how to grow as just a, you know, a more well-rounded sales professional, um, I was just threatened, right? Like it was like, almost like, okay, if you like him, you can't like me. Um, and, and I wanted everybody to like me. So, uh, it, it was certain, you know, there was times it was very adversarial and I, and you know, I was so insecure at the time that anytime you guys had any success, you know, in the North, I made excuses for why you guys were having success, right? Your buildings were nicer. You know, you had an easier, you had an easier market, those kind of things. And then eventually those became buildings that I helped support. And I realized none of that was true. Those buildings were not any nicer. You guys just were, you know, operationally, you guys were just doing a better job. You were sharper than, than the EDs we had and, and the regionals we had. And that was the difference. It was, it was the leadership piece of it. But yeah, I would say in the twenties, man, we were, um, we stunted a lot of our growth by just uh, not liking each other, which was crazy. But then we moved kind of to that early thirties, like the first half of our thirties, right? Where things didn't, didn't entirely change, but they, they did change some. Yeah. I think when we talk about then getting into the thirties, probably what we both realized is we were, we, we were still probably had a lot of self-confidence issues. And I think a lot of that stems from that. It's like, you know, like you said, it's like, it's like this threat talent. Somebody else's talent is a threat versus saying, man, like God gave, God gave Chris tools that I don't have. And if I could connect to those and he could connect with what what I have, how great would that be? But instead you look at what people have as, as a threat. But I think probably what happened in the thirties is we at least started to appreciate the talent that the other person had. Yeah. And we, we saw how can we leverage that together? So we worked together, but maybe not collaborative yeah. in nature, but we certainly worked together. And, and you, you were telling uh, some of our team here at San Mar in California about uh, a turning point in your career was also a turning point in my career. And that was our time working at Lake Mead in, yeah. in Las Vegas. <laughs> Now, you and I weren't buddies then necessarily, but I knew there was only one person that could help us grow that building like like you could, and we needed you there. And you knew there's probably only one operator that would be bold enough to help get through some of the barriers. And so it it almost became this relationship of like necessity, like only the two of us can do it, but we still weren't necessarily collaborative. No, no, that, no, I think you said it perfectly. And, and what, what went through my head as I kind of reflected on that after you sent me the initial message is I think at the beginning of our thirties, um, we were wise enough to know that we needed each other, but we were still selfish that we were just trying to help ourselves. Like me for, for myself, like in the beginning of my, my thirties, those first five years, right. I knew you were a good operator. I knew you were smart in ways that I was, and I knew you had tactics that I didn't. And I didn't necessarily want to highlight those to make you better or make the care setting better. I wanted to learn those to make myself better. So I was still very selfish in my approach. I was like, hey, how can, like when I went to Lake Mead, right? Like I was so happy that you guys requested me to come there because I was on a team that wasn't necessarily one that people wanted in their buildings because we did expose a lot of things to some senior level management at a very large organization. And if you weren't doing things correctly, it, it ended you know badly for some people. And so for, for you guys to invite me in, all I thought is, okay, the, the best team in the company, the best operators in the company, they're getting this brand new building that is failing and they're asking me to come be part of the solution. It still wasn't you know, the intention in my mind wasn't still to help you guys be successful. It was like, hey, this is my opportunity to put myself on the map in a really big way. So I came out there and just tried to kill it as, as much as I possibly could. Um, and it's still, but again, we were still maturing. And it, like you said, we weren't necessarily friends, but we knew there was a skill set there that could make us better. But I was still very selfish about it, for sure. Well, and I, and I say, you know, I, I owe you a debt of gratitude for that because 
certainly Lake Mead for both of us yeah. was that turning point in a career. Yeah. Um, and you know, in maybe maybe in the moment, I I probably was prideful and said, look what look what I was able to. And we had a lot of help. Like our division oh, president yeah. gave us so much guidance. I mean, we wouldn't have been able to do any of it without his help. Yeah. And, and his ability to to convince the organization we were the right people. Yeah. But I think you know this is an important an important uh, sort of time to to say that what we're explaining right now isn't just unique to like us and yeah. our relationship. This happens across post-acute companies and, and other, other. I know you don't like using the word industry yeah, because yeah. You, you're, you're a caring, compassionate guy, but for lack <laughs> of a better term, in, in this industry, it's weird how it really is like a, a dog-eat-dog yeah. world. And so you go to any other organization, and we've been in other organizations, yeah. and you see this now. And now that we're in our 40s, I, I see these younger operators in yeah. their 20s yeah. having sort of that same that same mindset, the ones that were really successful, yeah. but they're trying to position themselves. And they come to me, and you can tell, hey, they're trying to make sure that I think that they're a little bit better than this guy. And so this is sort of an opportunity for us to say, hopefully, if you're younger than us, yeah. hey, take, take some of our words um, at, at, as valuable lessons so that maybe you don't repeat it yes. so that if you are that young, talented, 30-year-old sales professional and you're looking to grow your your career, find that really talented operator that's not threatened by you and work together. Yeah, um, totally. And I, so I think I think that that's, that's really important with our 30s. But then what was crazy is there was a lot of changes within our organization yep. and we were... Now we were used to success. Yeah. So at least we knew each other. It's like it's like football teammates that know we need each other yeah. but hate each other, yeah, right? right? And so like we would party together, we'd celebrate together, yeah. we told the rest of the company that we were better than them, yeah. that you know that we paid for all the meetings because yeah. we were making money. We a, a lot of ego, a lot of ego, right? Which yeah. you know, I think a little bit of ego is good, a lot was probably dangerous. But then Kind of it all fell apart. Care yeah. care started to be affected. Yep. Things changed out of our control. And before you know it, we're we're in probably the most difficult part of our career trying to fix something. Our leader left to go to great opportunity mm-hmm. and everything became fractured. And then then at that point, we we weren't trying to see how we could help each other. We were back in that self-preservation yeah. mode yeah. and it fractured completely and you went to a different organization yep. and we lost contact. Yeah, 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 absolutely, right? That was like in that kind of mid-30 range where, um, yeah, no, I think you summed it up perfectly. There was just a lot of chaos and our relationship, the foundation of it wasn't actually built on anything other than making ourselves better. So there wasn't any there wasn't anything to fall back on in terms of a solid relationship to kind of like put our backs to one another and fight our way out of a bad situation that we, frankly, we had been part of creating, right? We'd done all this growth and we'd done all these things and we were learning that we hadn't done it the exact right way. Um, and instead of doing what we would do today and rolling up our sleeves and getting to work, you know, I was an immature guy and, and I was like, I'm out of here, man. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. Like I'm not dealing with this mess. And, uh, and, and, and left like, again, on quote unquote, good terms, like left on my own terms, but certainly left like angry, left a bad taste in my mouth and in your mouth. And it was one of those, those times where, um, you know, I personally felt like a little bit like I abandoned the team, right? Like I was gone. And like you said, for a couple of years, there was, there was zero contact. And at that time was right around the time that I, I formed legacy. Um, and I was going out on my own and trying to kind of create this brand and, and focus on collaboration, but it felt a little bit like a fraud because I really wasn't about collaborating. I was more about trying just to make myself better. Um, and then a pretty pivotal thing happened that was really cool. Actually, uh, earlier this week, I was, I was talking to Nicole Kaufman, um, you know, recorded an episode with her. She had, had remained at Sava. Um, and she called and, and asked me to come back in a consulting capacity. And it was for your division. You were the division president at the time. And I said, and what have you, have you said this to Mike? This sounds like a crazy idea. Like, what does Mike think? And her being wise and being a great leader, she said, hey, before any of this happens, like you and Mike need to sit down. And we met at a Panera Bread in Denver, Colorado. And I hadn't seen you in a couple of years. And, and we hadn't said anything good, bad or indifferent to one another forever. Um, but then, you know, we sat down and had a conversation and, and, you know, things started to that, I think at that moment, and I'd love to hear your take on it, but I think that moment for me, that's when we started to put a real foundation of a relationship together that we had kind of come through this storm. And now we were getting to a point where we wanted to build a friendship, you know, and where we could build a friendship. It didn't start that day, but I think that was step one into building what exists today. Yeah, I think 
you know, what you said about Nicole is true. The, the wisdom of a, of a, of a, a solid leader. Um, and I can't wait to hear your episode with Nicole because she's somebody that, that um, always gave me hope in sales professionals um, <laughs> just because of her approach and um, her humility. And so, um, you know, thank God for her because she was able to influence both of us to meet together. Yep. And I think, you know, what I remember about that meeting was we, we have both been through a lot post working together. And I think we have learned a lot. Yeah. And I think that's where probably, you know, time and, and experience had given us a little, we ate some humble pie. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, you, I stepped into a bigger role, but like I had the, the, the crap beat out of me. Yep. You stepped up into bigger roles with other organizations yep. and it wasn't necessarily what you expected yeah, it to absolutely. be, right? You thought you go into a, a new company and no one knows your name and yep. so you don't have the same kind of recognition right yep. away. Yep. But I think what happened there is I, I understood your journey and you as a, you as a man and as a father more at that point. Yep. And so I started seeing you very similar to me yep. as somebody who wants to do something great in this industry and wants to do something great for his family. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there was a bit, but we also approached it wisely. Right. You, yeah. you said, I won't come work for you, but I'll, I'll do a contract. Yeah. 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 I wanted to test the water. Yeah. Right? Like I wanted to date before we got married. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I don't know how this is going to work. Right. I don't know. How, has, has Mike changed? Have I changed? Like, what am I getting into here? Um, but you know, it didn't take long after that to realize, um, you had started to kind of hit your stride as a division level leader that you really had changed a ton in terms of your focus and that you were, you weren't trying to just be different to be different, um, because you wanted to create your own path. You were trying to be different because you felt like that's what was needed at the time for these, these buildings that we had then at that time been associated with for over a decade and to kind of go into these markets where they had been what they were to say, okay, Hey, we're going to change this narrative. We're going to do something differently. Um, and you really gave me, um, and, and, and the, and the entire sales force, you kind of gave us a ton of autonomy that didn't exist before to say, Hey, Chris, look, we brought you back as a content expert. Tell us what we need to do. And, and we'll execute on it. And I, I think I told this story, or I know I told this story yesterday, but one of those moments, you know, was uh, was at Boulder Manor. And, and we just had, you know, we just had the situation that, and I won't get into the details of it, but we just had this situation that um, in the past, you would have 100% sided with the facility and, and told me I was crazy and I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't have a license. And so be quiet and get back to work. I'll get me more referrals, right? And you didn't like you, you know, initially my reaction was, oh, man, Mike's just going to say this is stupid. But you immediately got on the you know, phone with the facility and said, hey, listen, do what Chris needs you to do. Make it happen. And you don't have a choice. And um, again, it, that that solidified that I was like, OK, this is a good thing. We're going to build a good relationship. And, and, and Mike and I are going to be able to try to make this place better. And that really I think, again, that just took another step. Right. That was another building block in this foundation of. We're going to have this strong relationship. We make each other better. We can make the care setting better um, by 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 working together. So it was good. So you know, as we you know, as we're we're, we're you know, I'm, I'm hanging on to the 30s with with my fingertips right now. So as we kind of transition into into our 40s, and and now we get to be part of you know some senior level conversations. You are are running. Um, a, a wonderful operation in, in Southern California, well, all over California, but you're, you're in Southern California now. Um, you have direct influence over, you know, 42 skilled nursing facilities, and you guys are just doing an awesome job. I spent the time with your team yesterday, and you now have a platform to really impact the care setting in a big way. And, and I, you know, I do as well as, as people call and ask for advice and ask for input and, and allow me to speak to their teams and things like that. And now we have this platform with the podcast. So like, wait, let, let's talk just briefly about, you know, what we see our relationship and, and give some of those people hope out there that maybe are just butting heads right now, but how we see our forties kind of developing as, as, uh, you know, partners in this journey. No, Chris, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and you, you told the story yesterday about Boulder Manor and I don't, I didn't remember it. And so I actually thought about that a lot. And, and this is where you, you, you talked about one of the things that, that's important to me is my faith. And I think, and you, like you draw a lot of, a lot of, um, energy and a lot of, a lot of your, um, your leadership based off of like 
you know, similar to faith in the, in the sense yeah. that like you've, you know, you, you it's a rags to riches story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, my faith is in Jesus. And so what I will say is this, um, what was a change there was we worked for an organization and, and we had operational leaders that I worked for. So you had sales leaders that were really talented, but maybe a different generation. Yeah. And they were, they sort of set up this energy that was negative. Yeah. And I remember one time hearing a leader of yours, who I now have a great respect for, but at the time he had said, Hey, listen, I don't have to like you to trust you. Yeah. And I just, that didn't settle well with me because he was basically saying, no, you don't have to see, like you, like, you guys can sit at the table and hate each other, yeah. but there can be trust. And I, I categorically disagree with that then and I do now. Yeah. And I believe because my, my faith is, in, is in, in the word of God, one of the things the Bible says about love is that love is a lot of things. Love, love is patient, love is kind, but it also says that love always trusts. Yeah. And so what I realize is that and, and this, this gets like, like maybe emotional, but sure. it's like, if I love the people that are in my life, if I love someone, I loved Chris enough that like I followed him to Wisconsin, right? Yeah, I trusted yeah, yeah. you enough. Um, you know, I, I loved you enough that I believe you are the right person to come and speak to my team now. Right. right? Oh, and yeah. so because of that, if, if I love you, then the, by, by virtue of that, I trust you. Yeah. And so in a moment where we had an issue in a building, yeah. like, hey, man, I love this guy. So I trust that he's going to take care of me. And if and if something bad happens, I trust that it wasn't intentional. And that changes everything. It does. Right. And so now when I when I have when you and I talk, like I'm as excited to tell you about what's going on in my life as I am to hear what's going on in yours. And your path may be different. Like God willing, we'll have stuff that we, we collaborate on forever. Yeah. But I love hearing what you're doing and getting your opinion because I trust it. And, and vice versa, I think that's where, so I think in our forties, like as we grow and we care about each other as men and as, and as leaders, there's, there's this opportunity for us to have somebody that's going to be a confidant, somebody that's going to be a cheerleader. I mean, yeah. like it's, it comes yeah. full circle, introducing each other in meetings and yeah. you, you sit, you tell people, Hey, I respect Mike as, a, as one of the best uh, operators yeah. in this field. And me saying, Hey, Chris is like the, on the Mount Rushmore of sales professionals. I think that that gets to where we're probably at. If that I, makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And, and one thing that I would add to just kind of the Boulder story is, you know, for everybody out there going through stuff, you never know what moment that seems so small and insignificant at the time is going to create a ripple effect that changes people's lives. And that, that, that conversation, I didn't even remember it. It wasn't something significant to him, but now he won't forget it. Right. Like there was a moment in time that Mike could have handled that completely differently. And he wouldn't have been wrong. If he had to say, Hey, Chris, you got to deal with it. You know, this, this, this resident is not welcome to return and you need to go handle it with the hospital and try and do damage control. That would have been the right answer too but it would not have created the ripple effect that the other answer did create. So you never know, you know, something that seems insignificant can really change the trajectory of a relationship, a life, a career, all kinds of things. And it was a moment in time that, um, you know, again, we, we probably didn't think much of it until we reflected on things. So, no, I'm really looking forward to the next decade, man. I think that, you know, we talk about our, our podcast being kind of edgy and, and, and for the younger population and younger leaders in, in this care setting. Um, but, you know, we're, we're still the younger leaders in this care setting, but now we have a platform to actually impact it and make change and we have the responsibility to do so. And I think that I'm, I'm just really excited to see where we go, where we take it. And I echo everything you said. I love when, when we get a chance to talk to one another. I'm really excited to hear about your updates and what you're doing with your family, your faith, you know, you, you know, your work, obviously. And, um, and I think we'll continue to be able to collaborate and make things better and ultimately make people better. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. One, one thing I think to, to close that this topic up too, and I think this is, this should be good for younger leaders to hear, but sometimes, and, and even after the fact, like we can get this way when we care about people, sometimes you're willing to get down into like their grumbling and their complaining. And there have been times in our careers where we have looked at people and we know not saying this with ego saying, we're smarter. Yeah. We are more talented. Yeah. We work harder. That should be us. Yeah. And I think we spent maybe some time even in our late thirties yeah. doing that. And you're still in your late thirties. So you can, you guys can do the math and more recently 
just looking around and and almost feeling sorry for ourselves that we didn't have the opportunity instead of thinking no my, we're we're there's a lot of opportunity to grow yeah. and instead of looking at other people and saying they shouldn't be in that role just as a reminder we're good enough to be in that role yes. but there's only a small percentage of people that are going to be bold enough to take that next step yes. and actually go there and i think so that's true. where we're headed well yeah no, I mean, that's a perfect transition, right? So I wanted to start with just our a little bit of our, our relationship and our thoughts on it. And I think we did a good job of that. But, you know, I think a lot of people and I was I was thinking about, man, what Mike and I can talk about a million different things and, and they would all be good quality and, and entertaining and, and fun to do. And, and we always do have conversations. But what would be most powerful? And I think as I was reflecting on that. I thought, man, a lot of people talk about success, right? We, we could sit here and talk about success. We could talk about all the cool things we've done. We have a laundry list of things that we've done really well. We have a million more things coming that we're going to do really well. But I think where people learn the most and where they grow, I talked about this yesterday, right? Adversity kind of reveals your true self, right? And, and failure is not final. Those are big things for people to understand and with, with leadership and just with personal development. And so I thought it would be kind of cool for you and I to talk about kind of three, and you, you touched on the first one, but three areas of, <clears throat> of failures, right? And that's a hard thing to talk about. You know, it's something that we probably wouldn't have been comfortable talking about before because you got to be a little vulnerable, but um, we've had a ton of success. But in order to get to those successful points, we had a lot of failures too along the way and no one talks about the failures. So um, I want to talk about them and let's start with the first one that you, you already really touched on, but you know, the immature version of, of Chris and Mike, which we're not fully mature yet. If you ask our wives or our children, we certainly aren't uh, claiming that we're mature, but we're more mature than we were a decade ago, or even just a couple of years ago, as Mike, you know, outlined, we both have had conversations. And I think one thing that has changed about us is for a long time, Mike and I have, you know, we talked about people versus ideas, right? And, and that that's a powerful shift. If you can get away from talking about people and you're talking about ideas, you're, you're on the right path. But we would do exactly what you just said, Mike. We would we'd say, hey, man, this, why, how is this person in this role? Like they're, they're either not qualified or they're incompetent or, you know, even more personally, we'd be like, man, how are we working for this person? Like, this is ridiculous. Like we're super talented people and, and how are they the one in charge? And like you said, we took it though to like from a victim mentality perspective of why not me? What was me? And, and honestly, we, you know, at that time we'd use that as an excuse. We'd say, ah, forget about it, whatever. Let's go have a drink. Let's go do this. Like, uh, we can't change it anyways. This is a miserable place. Let's go do this unproductive behavior, which was, you know, drinking or not, or just bitching about it, right. Not doing anything about it. And, um, we didn't often reflect on what we could do to either one, learn from the individual, right? There's obviously something somebody saw in that person. They probably have a complementary skill set that we could glean something from. And then we didn't ever really look at, okay, well, if I think I'm so damn good, why don't I go try to be good somewhere else? Or why don't I try to spread my wings a little bit? So let's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I've also tried to learn too is, I mean, there is, there's timing and there's seasons and, you know, if, what, what would have been different in some of these scenarios if I really tried to support a leader that I saw deficits in mm -hmm. and, and try to do my best work versus complain about how they, they acted? What could have been different for the organization? What could have been different yeah. for, for me in my role? And, you know, I believe, you know, I believe in God's timing. And so if my, if it wasn't my time to be in that role, then I need to trust that yep. and then still be like the best version of myself. And I don't think that that's necessarily where I've been at. And so I think, you know, you talk about, you talk about failures. One of the biggest areas in my life and my career that felt like a failure was when the, the, the boss that I had loved and followed everywhere. And he a great leader with great skill sets, but also some immaturity. Probably if you sat down at a podcast with him, yeah. you'd probably say those same things, but, but he just, this fantastic leader, he left for a, an, an opportunity. I was probably technically ready, but not mature enough. And then as he left, like things just started to fall. Care yeah. fell, yeah. Uh, relationships fell, culture fell. Yeah. Um, and man, I was like, I was at a low point, like yeah. to the point where, you know, you, you say, well, we can get vulnerable because hopefully it helps other people. Yeah. Like, like there were times I would come home, I would put a hoodie on. I'm a division president. Yeah. I put a hoodie on and I would sit kind of in a ball in my closet. Yeah. And I would tell my wife, like, 
I'm not meant for this. Yeah. Like, I'm not good at this. This is not like I, I, I'm a fraud. Sure. I shouldn't be doing this. Like everything I did was fake. It was because somebody else put me in those positions. And man, like that's the exact opposite of what was happening right there. Yeah. I was being refined in the fire, right? Yeah. Gold has to go through fire to be refined. Yeah. And instead of me thinking, man, I am gold. And in this moment, I am being refined by my failure yeah. and being refined by what's happening. Instead, I was just like, I was melting yeah, in the yeah. fire. And man, it, like, it almost consumed me. Sure. No, and it will. I mean, I think that was a that was a big thing for all of us. And like I said earlier, like instead of, instead of facing that and, and going through that, I left, right. That was, that was my answer to it. It was like, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. And that's, that's even a worse, you know, approach to it. But it is, I think people need to hear that and understand that when you're, when you're dealing with these difficulties, that self doubt, that question, that voice in your head, you know, Andy Frisella calls it your bitch voice, like that voice in your head that's, that's trying to create doubt with you. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's you growing. You have to go through those trials and tribulations. And we did, you know, and we did. I, I feel like we did it in different ways, certainly, because, again, I left the organization. But the situation I went to, as you alluded to before, was not ideal. I thought it was going to be this great situation. I got this cool new title. I was making more money than I ever had in my life. Um, I had a I had a sweet apartment in, in Southern California. I was in Orange County. And, and then I had, you know, my house in Colorado. So I was like, oh, I made it. And it was miserable. And I was completely unhappy and it was, and it felt like a fraud. It wasn't what it was cracked up to be. And I wanted to be back in the fight, right? I saw what you guys were all going through and I wanted to be part of the, the group that fixed it. Um, and ultimately got a chance to do a little bit of that um, as I, as I formed legacy and we got to work together again. But I think that, you know, as we were immature and as we, you know, questioned leaders and questioned people, even questioned ourselves, um, we, a lot of times we missed opportunities to grow. And I, I think that's an important thing for people to hear. You can grow from these challenges big time and, and the challenges are going to be there. The failures are going to be there. It's like, what are you going to do about them? Yeah. You know, I think you know, it's, it's cool having us here on this podcast together because you'll continue to keep it PG 13 now. And, <laughs> and it used to be, when we got together, it used to be rated all the time. And I, I may keep on adding things. And before you know, you may have, you may be able to sell this as a religious podcast too. But like one of the, you know, there, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are facing trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's exactly what we were going through. Instead of looking at these, like we, we should look at failures as a testing of our faith to develop perseverance yeah. because what I went through during that time was hell. It yeah. was hell. Yeah. And there were times in my career where I had success that I probably didn't earn. And there was times where I, I went through like the, the mud that I really didn't feel like was my mud. Exactly. But now I can look at it and say, Hey, when I go through that, I should consider this joy yeah. because now I'm on the, and you talked about that kind of yesterday, yeah. like, yeah. like, you know, adversity does something to you, right? And so you need that adversity to sort of like sharpen yourself. And in the moment, you hate it. Yes. But if I would have actually said, instead of like cowering in a ball, and instead of you looking from afar saying, man, I'm not in the fight, yeah. like we could say, hey, I consider this joy. What can I learn from yeah. this? Because I know that I'm going to have perseverance so that when it is time for me to be the leader as a COO, when it's time for me to own my own company and, and my own consulting company as legacy, yeah. that I have that perseverance. Uh, yeah, I know completely. And that's the part we did talk about yesterday is like, everybody's afraid of the process. Like everybody just wants the outcome, right? We just want to, you know, I, I asked the group about a magic wand, you know, analogy or theory is like, I would have bought your magic wand. Right? I know. No, when Chris offered to sell a magic wand that would fix anybody's problems, I was the only one that said, I'll take it. And it was for free. That's it was right. free. I wasn't even asking for money. Um, but if you do that, right, you weigh, weigh all your problems, you don't get what we just talked about. You don't get the experience of how to then deal with problems when they arise again. When you, when you don't build something, right? And, and, and then it goes away, right? You just get put at the top of the mountain. And now how do you get down the mountain, right? And, and somebody then plucks you off the top, puts you at the bottom, you gotta get back up. Well, you didn't get up in the first place. So now you don't even know how to do it. So, you know, you, you sacrifice that experience and that, that knowledge for the easy course. And I, I would say, you know, those challenges are what made us better leaders and better people, better friends. So um, let's talk like, okay, so we talked a little bit about kind of the idea around we didn't, we didn't always look at the people above us as somebody that we could learn from or even 
if we really felt we were better than them, why not go prove that we were better than them? And I think a lot of what prevented us from doing that was our arrogance and our ego, right? We were very, very arrogant. And like you said, I completely agree, man. There's some level of ego is necessary. Like you're not going to get to a COO position without an ego. You're not going to run your own company. You're not going to start a podcast so you can hear your own damn voice with, without some ego, right? That that's just not just what it is. Um, in order to be successful, you do have to be a confident person, but we were, we were, we had inflated egos. We were completely arrogant and um, we rarely looked kind of beyond, you know, the walls of either our team or either our company um, to see what was going on outside. Like we were just so arrogant that we were great and we told ourselves we were great all the time. And like you said, we were, I personally was an asshole. You know, I was a guy that, you know, I'd walk around leadership conferences in, in Atlanta and look at people that I didn't like and say, Hey, I hope you're enjoying that dinner or this music because we paid for it. You're losing money and we're making money. And, you know, that's now that I think back, but I'm ashamed that I acted that way. But uh, but I did. And so, you know, I, I don't think that we um, I, I don't think we learned as I, I think we left a lot on the table. You know, I think we could have even grown more if we could have tabled some of that stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm trying not to laugh because. <laughs> I I loved I loved Chris when he would get that that much ego. We had to break up a fight once at an after party after we went to won a bunch of uh, awards, and uh, I think I saved somebody's life in Texas because you probably would have beat the crap out of him. Um, but uh, and you know what? But you weren't wrong. We did pay for that meeting at the time. But but you're right. So you know I I said it yesterday to to our team, and and I don't say this with ego. I say it with confidence now. Like. I believe some are as lucky and blessed to have me as their chief operating officer. Absolutely. They should want somebody that has the confidence to say, you've got the right guy. Yeah. And I, I think everybody in, in the roles within my organization, hopefully they have that same kind of confidence. I hope every one of my administrators, every one of my sales professionals say, I am the right person yes. for this role yeah. in this season. Well, you have to have that belief if you're going to achieve anything, right? If you, if you allow that self-doubt to creep in, you're going to, you're going to stunt your growth. You're going to stunt what you're capable of. You guys are doing something awesome right now. You're trying to code it. Yeah. For all you companies listening out there, like some Mars is about to just dominate you. Um, you know, they're talking about getting to a thousand, you know, a thousand on their Medicare line. And it's like, it, there's so many people that can't even wrap their mind around taking care of a thousand people, let alone a thousand Medicare people. And you have a room full of individuals that, that like, they believe they're already there. Like you get, have this and, and you're going to be there. Like you guys have already grown as much as it's going to take you to get to a thousand, you've already come from that place. So you have all these believers that are not doubting anything. They believe they're the right people and you're creating this environment that is going to allow them to, to flourish. And again, I think that we didn't know how to create that environment before because we were so focused on just ourselves flourishing yeah. versus trying to create a ripple effect that would make everyone better. Like again, yeah, I, I did that. It is kind of funny when we think about like the, the fight you guys had to break up and, and me being a dick, but, um, but I'm still friends with that guy yeah. on Facebook. He's cool. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Uh, nice guy. Just, uh, this is why I don't drink anymore guys. And so, um, but I mean, what the approach would have been, right. How much better would it have been if when we got into that altercation, you know, I'm like, Hey man, like you guys are obviously aren't getting it done. Let's talk about like, let me give you some best practices. Let's have this conversation. And, and then maybe I'd be friends with them on Facebook, but, um, but we're not. <laughs> and so if you're listening, but I'm sorry that I embarrassed you um, and myself. So let's, uh, but, but again, I think a huge part of this is yes, there has to be a healthy ego, but when you get to the point of arrogance, that's where you start to, you know, you start to stump your growth. And, um, and I think we sucked at that, man. We were, we were very, very arrogant as we were younger, as we had some success. And I think I talked about this yesterday. We talked about the seduction of success. Ben Newman talks about it all the time. And I think we were completely seduced by success. Mm -hmm. We thought we were great. We thought we were always going to be great, that we were never going to have to deal with any challenges. And we didn't try to get better in the moment. Like while we were riding high, we weren't like, okay, how do we create mitigation plans? How do we make sure we keep this, you know, success? We were totally seduced. And then we were like left at the altar, you know, like, boom, gone. Now the success is gone. And oh, shit, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And now, I mean, now that company is, is not even in business anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we said it yesterday, probably the most talented people we've ever worked with were, were, was 100%. with that organization and still, still some, some of the greatest relationships I have, Absolutely. you know, and, and kind of pulling it back to the question that, that you had or that you, that you sort of posed about like, we, we were not smart enough 
to look at what was happening outside of the walls of our organization yeah, of Saba. Totally. And so you you use the, the term all the time, <laughs> the sharpest butter knife. Yeah. And that's what it was. It wasn't like if I was ranked number number one in census growth in my region, then I was the top dog. Yep. But I was number five of six against my competitors. Absolutely. At every single time when I yep. was in the Greeley, Colorado. Yep. I, my census was always, it was like the rest, the outsiders just still saw us as like that crummy building, the crummy Medicaid yep. building, which Kenton Manor is a great building. I love yeah. it. But that's how people saw us. Yes. And I didn't care because the ranking system that came out with Sava's logo on it showed that I was great. Yeah. And so I didn't have the I didn't have the wherewithal to understand what was happening on the outside world. And then now Sava's gone. And so I think a lot of people are dealing with that. Yeah. They only worked for one organization and they weren't bold enough to make friends outside of their, their company. They weren't bold enough to figure out what other people are doing to, to understand, hey, if this company is successful, why don't I try to why don't I try to get some of the time yes. of their leader to tell me what they're doing? Because yeah. they may want to invest in me. Instead, I just would say, nah, it's fake, it's phony, or they've got, you know, they've got the ear of the doctors, or yeah. they've got the dollars and we don't, and, yep. and I made all these excuses. Yep. And that's where, like, you keep on talking about immaturity. That was something, that's, again, another lesson learned if you're younger, like, make friends with people outside your company. Yeah. It's easy to know what's going on in your company. Find out what's happening outside of your organization. Yes. No, man, that was, that was that was us in a nutshell is like, we were really, and that's why I always joke about that, that sharpest butter knife. Cause we were really good. You know, we were really good at spreading butter, but if you ever wanted us to cut a steak, we'd have been in trouble. And, and we were competing with people that were, that were cutting steaks. And, and we just, we just never could quite understand why in any given market, we were so good with, with inside, but we were terrible. You know, we were ranked five and six in, in, in the local market. And I was really terrible about, the thing that you just touched on is like kind of growing and collaborating with people outside of the organization. I wasn't even really good at collaborating inside the organization, but I, as a sales guy, I refused to go to networking events because I looked at everybody like my fuel was anger. My fuel was competition. My fuel was kicking your ass. Like that's all I wanted to do. And so if there was ever an event with other liaisons, I never wanted to go to it because I hated all of them. All I saw is people that were taking referrals from me. And I just, while they were at their little events, I would go to the hospital and talk to the case managers and I would use it as my time where I knew they weren't working, right? They were out drinking, they were doing whatever. And I just didn't, didn't realize that, man, I could have made myself and other people so much better. I could have made things a lot easier for myself. I could have positioned us a lot better in our community if I would put my ego aside and look and, and, and I heard something recently that really made me think, and it was talking about how like the people at the top, the people that are earning, you know, the billions of dollars, right? The people in the very exclusive room of entrepreneurship, the Andy Frisellas of the world, the Ed Milets of the world, those guys, they're like, competition's happening at the bottom. Collaboration is happening at the top. Yeah. Like when you're trying to make your way and you're trying to do it, that that's where people are competing and all they're doing is hurting each other. And the people that have made it and the, and the way they have made it is through collaboration. So when you get into those exclusive circles, like those dudes, even, even though they are competitors in certain rights, you know, I mean, they're, they're all in the personal development space. They compete technically, but they collaborate. They make each other better. That makes the world better. So same idea, you know, that's really why I want, this podcast to be what it is and have people like you on to talk about how collaboration is really what we need in order to move this care setting to a place it hasn't been because it's been stagnant for decades. Like it's always been done the same way. People have thought about the problems the same way and nobody's looking for it. You know, nobody's using innovative solutions. And I think collaboration will lead to, to that. Yeah. I think, think about, you know, you're a football guy. So think about what you sort of outlined. You don't see a lot of practice squad guys helping each other out because they're, they're just trying to make the team. Yeah. Right. And so like, there's only a, a handful of positions. So that competition is happening down there. But when you're a superstar, what are the superstars of this era doing? Like Von Miller, yeah. you know, he, he holds, he holds a pass rushing camp yep. for everybody to come and like, let's share techniques yep. and let's all get, get better. Now, when at the end of the day, like, for us, 
I want people to choose a Sunmar building over any of our competitors, of right? I want us to be that first choice. But there's still room for other people to be successful. Yeah. And I think, man, that's a shift in thinking that, you know, I got to be careful about how much I talk about my time here at Sunmar. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't welcomed when I first got here. And there's people here that was there that aren't here anymore that didn't want me to be here. And they were open and said, don't help him. Yeah. And, and my approach was... California is big enough that they can go and be successful. Yeah. And so like, I actually, like, I don't just say this, I practice it. I pray for their success. There's no reason that they have to fail for me to be successful. And when I take that mindset, anything that they say that may be negative about me or my organization, it just floats right off the back of my, you know, it's water off a duck's back. I don't care. I don't care if you think that I'm no good. I don't care if you think that I'm not smart. I don't care any of that. I hope and pray that you're successful because your residents deserve it and your staff deserve it, but it's not going to bother me because I've got my focus and I know exactly where we're going to go. Completely. No, I talked about it with Nicole the other day. I said, man, I'm, I'm competitive. Like that is a flaw that I have. It's a strength that I have. I am a competitive person and I want to win at everything I do, but it doesn't mean I want you to lose. I just want you to be a little worse than me. Like that's, that's the key. Just like right. you're saying at Sunmar, right? I, I, you want Sunmar to be number one, but it's okay for someone else to be number two. Just be a little bit behind us because ultimately we have to create an environment where everybody's winning so that the care setting does get better. Like that's the important piece of it. And I think the other other thing to touch on before we kind of move on to our last little, little section here is um, what you just said is, is, is super powerful for a lot of reasons, but I'm a big believer. Like I said, you're, you're a huge man of faith. You know, I don't describe what, what I believe in as faith necessarily, but I, I, I fully completely believe there's a higher power. Uh, I focus a lot on kind of the energy in the earth and, and listening to, to my body and, and things like that. But um, I am a huge believer in that you you attract what you give. So if you're giving all that negativity, if you're saying, if you're spreading rumors about people, if you're talking bad about them or wishing that they don't have success or thinking of their failure, the universe doesn't know, can't differentiate or, or God, you know, whatever you believe in can't differentiate between, you know, you thinking of failure for someone else and you thinking of failure for yourself. So then you start to attract failure and then you experience what you're wishing on other people. And it's, it's not a healthy environment. So man, I, again, for everybody that competes with me, I wish you success too. I just wish you a little less than me. Like that's, that, right. I mean, that's yeah. just, I just want you to be really, really good. And good enough to be second best. I always joke like that, like any, any time I'm talking to another sales professional, I'm like, yeah, you're, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the second best salesperson in this area or that area or whatever. And I'm always thinking of myself as the best, but, and again, I'm not the best at everything, but in my mind, I really am. And I want everyone to be very successful, just a little less than I. Yeah. And in our family where we, you know, we, we have a, a very large family, you know, everybody eats, right. Mm-hmm. But daddy eats twice. And that's how it's going to, that's how it should always be like, Hey, listen, Everybody can have one piece of pie, but if there's if there's extras, daddy gets yeah, it because right. I'm the boss. And that's that's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Hey, like you get yours, but I'm gonna get mine and then some. Yeah, no, somebody I I don't know who said it or where I read it, but there was something that's like, hey man, you know, like we're I want everybody to eat. Is there's some people I don't want eating at the same table, right? There's just that's right. Like yeah. there's a lot of people in our past that like I, I wish them success, but I'm not going to invite them on the podcast. I'm not going to sit yeah. down with them. You know, it's not that I'm not mature enough. It's that like, hey, you go your way, I'll go mine, and and I wish you success, and I hope that you that you eat. Just let's eat at different tables. Chris, quick sidebar, yeah. and this this could be a you know, if this is a popular episode, it's a little intimidating than Nicole Kaufman <laughs> for mine because she is the most articulate human being yeah. in the world. So, yeah, hers was so I, good. Not to put any pressure on you, hers was. So good. I can't so wait good. to hear. It. I can't wait to hear it, man. It's going to be great. But um, there is also lessons to be learned in saying cut ties with bad relationships. Oh, like you, you were talking about, there's people in our relationships. Like I beg, or in, in our work careers, I begged for those relationships to come back into my life. Yeah. I like, I mourned them. Man, I'm so better without them. Yeah. I wish them well, yeah. but man, I don't need you. Yeah, I don't need you. It was great for that season. I don't need you. And so, yeah. so there are times you just got, you got to cut out bad relationships or ones that are no longer healthy for you and say, appreciate it for what it was. And then move it on. Moved on. Totally, man. We talked about it yesterday a little bit in, in the idea of looking at your time as currency, right? We have a finite amount of time. Everybody has the same 24 hours a day. What you do with them is up to you. And like the fact that like you waste one minute with somebody that's not good for you, that's a minute where you could be getting better, where you could be growing. So there, yeah, there's a lot of people just to kind of, a lot of things just to move on from, right? You, you got what you needed in that season and they got what they needed in that season and it's time to move on. So 
But uh, in the spirit of moving on, let's talk a little bit about like, let's take out your crystal ball. I had a magic wand. You have a crystal ball. So if you guys want to buy them, just just uh, let us know. Um, but where do you see kind of the post-acute care setting, right? We've talked a lot about our history. We've talked a lot about our failures and, and lessons that we learned along the way. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are either just getting into it or maybe are in the thick of their new trials and tribula- tribulations um, in their careers right now. And we're, we're coming off the heels of probably one of the most um, difficult times in the post-acute care settings history, you know, three years removed from COVID. And there's a lot, you know, a lot of rumors swirling. There's a lot of stuff going on in the political world. There's a lot of like mandates coming out and people that don't know what they're talking about, trying to influence what we're doing. Where do you as a chief operating officer see, you know, your focus or your projections for the next 12 to 36 months. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think it's, it's a little bit hard um, because there's a lot of stuff that is is current legislation mm-hmm. um, that that sort of hangs in the balance. Yeah. But what, I, what I'll say on a broader scale is, you know, if you become a historian of our industry, you see you see cycles, yeah. you know, yeah. you see you see reimbursement cycles. Um, you know, you go from fee for service to PPS and you, you see regulatory cycles that sort of happen. And, um, you know, a, a, a great leader here at our organization always talks about, Hey, the government, the government doesn't want nursing homes to get super rich, right? That's bad for them. And they don't want to go out of business. And so there's, we're always going to sort of like bounce back and forth, like every few years between man, the industry is on the verge of like bankruptcy to things are going really well. And um, I believe, I, so, so what I believe is, is happening right now is I still think markets being reset. A lot of, a lot of um, organizations that were on the verge of going out of business because of performance, mm-hmm. COVID was not good for us as, you know, as an industry or people, but, but there was relief that came from the government yep. that saved some people's tails. Yep. And so this is, this is that honest podcast. Yep. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. are some owners who are still owning yep. because of COVID money that came to help them meet their payroll that they weren't going to meet otherwise. Absolutely. Now I'm not implying that they, they use that money inappropriately. I'm just saying that their companies were saved because the government stepped in. Absolutely. Um, and so I believe that a lot of that now is coming out of the wash. Yep. And so, Companies that were smart during COVID still grew. You talk about like we we really focused on what our growth was when COVID ended, way before COVID ended, and so we came out of COVID really well as a company. Yeah. Uh, but others didn't. They yeah. relied on the COVID waivers until the very end, and so now they're really struggling because they were living paycheck to paycheck, and the government assistance stopped. So I yeah. believe you're going to see you're going to see the market come back. I think you're going to see some bankruptcies. You're yeah. going to see some sales. Um, and you know, the things kind of, it, it goes sometimes between the, the REITs, the, the REITs real estate investment groups making the monies and, and making the money and then the operators. And I think right now, um, prices hopefully will start coming down as we start seeing, you know, some, some, uh, some companies that shouldn't be operating yeah. go out of business. Yeah. Um, I think the government's going to pick back up on their focus on, on staffing yep. that, that's going to drive some of these these buildings that are out in rural areas to close. Yeah. So I do think you're going to see some closures of old homes. You're going to see some consolidation into larger markets. Yeah. And I do believe that you're going to see prices come down, um, hopefully, um, so that, you know, people can jump in and, and become owners. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, it's, man, I, I, we talk about this stuff all the time. So none of that, none of that is new you know, coming from you. But I, I love hearing that, you know, there, there, there is a lot of optimism, right? I think that people try to paint a really dark picture, right? As we're talking about staffing mandates and we're talking about the price of things right now, and we're talking about all these regulatory things, but you know, some, some of these things that are going to lead to people exiting this care setting are actually a good thing. Like there are some people, like you mentioned, there are some operators out there that really shouldn't be in existence anymore and were bailed out by the government. And, you know, maybe a lot of those same people aren't doing a great job. They weren't before. Um, they didn't learn their lesson and they're still not. And so to watch it kind of get purified is, is okay. You know, it's again, as long as we're able to meet the needs of the residents that deserve this care and the quality folks grow and the poor quality folks kind of go away. Um, I, th- I don't think there's anything bad about that. I like to see I like to see that. So uh, I'm excited. You know, I, I think that, you know, one of the things 
about our care setting is that it's never the same. That, that, that now I say that hesitantly because I just talked about a minute ago how archaic we are and how like we don't change the way we do things. But the day to day, the situational things, the what's going on in our world constantly is changing. It's just we now need to think about new ways to solve old problems. And I feel like a, a lot of older operators haven't done a good job of that. Some of these newer organizations um, and some of these newer leaders out there like yourself and, and some more, you guys are, are really taking a, a deep look at things and, and even to how you touched on, you guys were already thinking about what's our post-COVID plan before COVID ended. And that's that just goes a testament to your thinking is different than a lot of people's. Yeah, and I think there's going to be, you know, there's there's parity that, that is coming. Um, you know, there's some regulations on, on disclosure of ownership. Mm-hmm. And so even with that, I think that the government is trying to stop super companies yeah. from happening again. Um, so you're going to see a lot more region-based, yep. which I believe drives good care. Now, I've worked for national companies too, but there's something for, to be said about the fact that like, I can get to any one of my buildings here in Southern California in an hour, hour and a half, yep. and it's an hour flight to Northern California. And so um, I think you're going to see more region operators too. And you know, in, in fairness to to COVID sort of strapped people in and they couldn't really move, but there's good operators that are just ready to move on. Yeah. And so there's yeah. bad operators yeah. that need to get out, but there's certain people like, hey, I'm stuck. And when I get the chance to sell, yeah. I want to sell. And the market has to come back for those to sell. It's like people who bought their houses with uh, with really low interest rates. Yeah. They're stuck in those homes forever now, yeah. right? Because yeah. like you can't afford to get out of it. I think you're going to see some good operators who are just ready to retire, move on, and hopefully hand it off. To, to the next generation of thinkers. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be involved with it and hopefully be able to be on, you know, be, be part of the tip of the spear that is, is leading change and leading thought. So um, looking forward to, to hearing more and being part of in any way, shape or form, you know, your, your son, Mark's story. So I'm excited for you guys and, and glad we're talking about it. All right. Last thing, this is something that I want to ask anyone that will, will share the microphone with me. And I think it's an important question and I'm always intrigued by, you know, I, I talk a lot about how, you know, our, our care setting doesn't always attract the most talented leaders for whatever reason, you know, people don't typically graduate school and go, okay, Hey, I want to get into the post-acute care industry. I want to run a nursing home. I want, it's just not like, it, it's a gray area. People just don't think of it. I don't think there's always negative, but a lot of the most talented, you know, on paper, the most talented people aren't usually attracted here. You are very talented. You're very well connected. You're a smart guy who's who has now um, through through your faith. You have all these crazy connections. You were telling me about your your UN ambassador stuff yesterday. Like you're somebody that could kind of do really anything with your knowledge, your experience, and your connections. Yet you choose to continue to stay in this care setting. And uh, one, we're very thankful for that. But two, why? You know, why do you why do you stick around? Why haven't you gone somewhere else? And what keeps you coming back for more? You know, I think whether whether I was you know I started as a caregiver in, in college, and that was so beneficial. Yeah, like that sort of imprinted on me. Um, and, and so then, as an administrator, you have the ability to. Uh, to have these close relationships and you can see kind of firsthand how you're affecting people. And as you grow in, in any industry, but certainly for our industry, as long as you can still have the perspective of your helping people. Yeah. And I love, like, I love our people. I love, I love our nurses. I love our nurse aides. I love the attitudes that these people have. You know, we have, we have a CNA council that comes in. And when you meet these people called House of Representatives, you meet these people who have been CNAs for 40 years. Yeah. And you think, why, why do you continue to do that? And they just talk about their love of the residents and their love of each other. It's yeah. a community. And they just, you just can't get out of it. And so I, I continue to do it because I love in my role that now I can, I can hopefully create an environment where Today, over 4,000 residents and over 8,000 employees have this opportunity to connect. Like I may not be in a building today as a resident may be breathing their last breath, holding the hand of a, of a staff member, but my existence hopefully helps that. I may not be in a building as we're celebrating somebody who had a stroke and, and didn't think they'd ever go home, is rehabbing and is getting to go home and is walking to their car to go home and there's this massive celebration. I don't necessarily get to see it, but I know every day that it's happening. And because of that, 
it keeps me coming back. It yeah. keeps me wanting to attract talent. You're right. There's not enough good talent that comes in to this industry because they don't see, they don't see, first of all, the financial benefit because you can make a good living being a nursing home administrator Absolutely. or a director of nursing or a nurse, but they also don't see those intrinsic benefits that man, like I go with my cup full yeah. because I'm helping, I'm helping. I'm helping the least of these in our society that really have the greatest gift to give because they've lived these long lives with, with great experiences. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a job where, you know, there's not a lot of jobs where you get to directly impact the quality of someone's life, you know, literally um, every day that you're, you're able to, to, you know, in your position, be able to influence a series of events that then improve the quality of care that people receive and, and the moments that people get to spend with their loved ones at the last uh, last of their moments on, on this earth. So, uh, man, this this hour has flown by. Um, I, I cannot thank you enough for one, sitting down to take the time uh, to talk to me today, two, bringing me out here, giving me the opportunity to share the room with you and, and talk with your team. Um, and I know how much you care about those guys and how much you value and protect who, who can say what to them. So uh, that means the world to me. And I'm just so grateful for our relationship, taking the evolution that it has and us growing together. And I'm really excited about the next decade. And I'm, I'm super excited to watch the Sunmar journey, man. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, man. I appreciate spending time with you. And let's do it again soon. Absolutely. All right, guys. If you learned anything, if uh, we made you feel a certain way, if you got offended because you knew we were talking about you, uh, share the episode. Uh, we appreciate it. If you can like it, follow it, um, share with somebody. The whole purpose of this is to give a resource to folks that are in our industry, in our care setting, that want to get better and don't have the resources to do so. And this is an episode that will absolutely make people better. Um, so we appreciate you. Thanks. Share the show.